Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. We've noticed on past editions of the Electronic Cottage that Free Speech Week is celebrated here in the U.S. annually during the third week of October. These days, free speech is much in the headlines. It seems like someone or other, from the current occupant of the White House to white supremacists to Black Lives Matter advocates or many others, are asserting that they're being censored online and that thus their First Amendment free speech rights are being violated. Except, of course, that is not true and never has been, as even the most cursory reading of the First Amendment indicates. Here's what the First Amendment says, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free speech thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. End quote. The First Amendment does not say that Twitter or Facebook or anyone else's behavior but the government's, originally only the federal government, but today any level of government, is limited by the First Amendment. So, for example, a privately funded religious school can tell its students what they can or cannot say if the students want to stay in the school. So can an employer while an employee is in the workplace or on the job. And so can an online service, as long as that service sets out what its policy for user behavior is in the so-called terms of service which users agree to, though seldom read, in order to use the online service. An enormous amount of communication of speech now takes place through online services for better and sometimes for worse. And when people don't like the way that those online services regulate speech or don't regulate it, they holler for government to force these services to do something one way or another. So we come to a very important question. What does free speech and our understanding of it mean in our current digital world? One response is that it means the same thing it has always meant throughout American history. Even bad speech, even lies, should be tolerated and not censored because the remedy, in the words of Justice Louis Brandeis, is, quote, more speech, not enforced silence, end quote. But that has not always been the case in American history. In the first decade that America had a First Amendment, for example, several newspaper editors and others were prosecuted under the Alien and Sedition Act for the crime of, quote, malicious writings, end quote. It really wasn't until the 20th century that America's sense of free speech as a nearly absolute right was really solidified. And one of the first expressions of that vision was from Louis Brandeis in the 1927 case of Whitney versus California, in which he wrote, quote, Those who won our independence believed that the final end of the state was to make men free to develop their faculties, and that, in its government, the deliberative forces should prevail over the arbitrary. They believed that freedom to think as you will and to speak as you think are means indispensable to the discovery and spread of political truth, that without free speech and assembly, discussion would be futile, that with them, discussion affords ordinarily adequate protection against the dissemination of noxious doctrine." End quote. 
But is Brandeis's lofty vision still appropriate today when the, quote, dissemination of noxious doctrine, end quote, is at an all-time high, made possible by today's internet technology? There are numerous studies and books that demonstrate that noxious doctrines of many types are spread online and are having a deleterious effect on our society, our politics, our economy, our health, our children, in short, our lives in general in this digital age. Hence, calls for online platforms to do something since the great majority of noxious doctrine, hate speech, misinformation, fake news, or as one scholar calls it, imposter news, all travel across those internet services. The question is what to do and who should do it. Guess what? No one currently has a very good answer to either question. The First Amendment pretty clearly prohibits government from censoring almost any speech, online or off, with the exception of false speech, such as shouting fire in a crowded theater, which could lead to direct immediate harm, or speech which is intended to incite violence and has an imminent prospect of doing so. So then who should temper some of the hate speech, lies, propaganda, and disinformation that travels across the internet every minute of every day and can reach millions of people in seconds? Many people's answer is, obviously, the social media sites themselves that provide a highway for that kind of noxious doctrine. And indeed, Google or Facebook or Twitter or whoever do have the legal right to transmit or to refuse to transmit anything through their sites based on their stated terms of service or TOS. At this point, it's totally up to these private companies to deal with a flood of crap information in any way they see fit in this election year and in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of folks, including Mr. Trump and more than a few members of Congress, are very annoyed that, on the one hand, the information that they don't like is finding a way to reach millions of people, and, on the other hand, that some information that they do like is not. Not surprisingly, government officials are trying to find a way to limit some types of information circulating on the web. But which types? And who decides? And how can government force internet companies to do anything given the First Amendment's free speech protection? Mr. Trump and some members of Congress have come up with an idea. They've decided that the Federal Communications Commission should be setting standards for what information can and cannot circulate via large social media companies without being subject to lawsuits and other claims by individuals, or for that matter, government agencies. However, this brings up a bit of a problem for the FCC and for any congressperson who has any memory, although as the recent turbo-speed confirmation of a new Supreme Court justice two weeks before election indicates, if a majority of Congress people do have memories, they are exceedingly selective ones. There is a big problem for the FCC here. Congress voted a few years ago to cancel net neutrality rules proposed by the previous administration, in part because at that time, the FCC flat out said it had no legal authority to regulate content flow on the web, period. 
But recently, the FCC chair, former Verizon lobbyist and lawyer, Mr. Ajit Pai, spurred on by Mr. Trump, has declared that the FCC is ready to, quote, reinterpret, end quote, a key part of the Communications Act so that the FCC could indirectly affect what can and cannot be said on the web by making the private companies responsible for what their users say on their services. We'll take a look at what that could mean for Google, Facebook, Twitter, and so forth, and for everyone who uses those services, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.